and ensure that the purposes of God were manifested. I want to share a dynamic verse with you this morning out of Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now I'm going to give you just a couple of seconds here to let that verse sink in. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. What you just saw on the video indeed was a miracle. And this was one of uh, many verses that the Spirit brought to my mind. But we weren't focusing on the consumed. I was focusing on God's compassions. Don't fail. I said God's compassions don't fail. Amen. You must not have heard me the first time. They are what? They are new every morning. That means when you wake up tomorrow, God's got some new compassion waiting for you. Isn't that exciting? Well, you may not feel like you you need some compassion, but you do. See, because we can't go by feelings. Feelings change. We can be on that mountaintop today and in the valley tomorrow. Feelings will change. The word of God changes not. His compassions are new every morning. And then the cherry on top is great is thy faithfulness. You know, in our experience, and it was certainly a life-changing one for our entire family. And it was a blessing uh, to see how um, it, God's faithfulness changed all of our lives during that period. As I tell people, I wouldn't want to do it again. But I thank God for his faithfulness. Because this was certainly a situation that was totally out of our hands. See, and God's mercies also include his grace. See, we know what grace is. Grace is unmerited favor, right? And, but how would we describe mercy? How would we describe mercy? Well, Webster's Dictionary says that mercy is a tenderness of heart which disposes a person to overlook injury or treating an offender better than they deserve. Yes, we're all sinners here today saved by grace. But we're also offenders saved by grace. And mercy treats the offender better than they deserve. Aren't you glad this morning that you don't get what you deserve? Yes. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Praise God. He doesn't give us what we deserve. Because the Bible tells us that our God is God. And it's his tenderness of heart that overlooks all that we have done, all that we will ever do, that doesn't align with his word, and it allows us to have more than we deserve. That's his compassion. That's his compassion. It's new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. But in the midst of God's vast greatness and in the midst of his mercy, his word tells us in Psalm 103, verse 8, that the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Now, as I've studied Hebrews chapter 11, which I mentioned before, God using ordinary people to do extraordinary things, there wasn't a one in there, including Noah, Abraham, Samson, Jacob, I could go right down the, Rahab, I go right down the list of everyone of faith who was commended for their faith in that chapter. But there wasn't a one of them that was without sin. Unless you think that you have to be something in order for God to use you, read that chapter. Because it's not about us or our ability or who we are or our position. It's about his compassion and his mercy. Oh, when Ethan was going through his situation, oh, I knew this verse. I knew great was his faithfulness. I knew that his compassion and his mercy, they were new every morning. And this is why you can't go by feelings, because I just really didn't feel it at that particular time. But it's interesting how in our marriage relationship and nurturing our children and, uh, you know, interacting with our siblings or whoever. You know, I've found that in times that I've been down, God has always sent somebody to lift me up. And I think you've probably all experienced that. Great is his faithfulness. Why would God love us? Why would God love me so much that he sent Jesus to die for my sins? Because of his grace and his mercy. And without it, we would be consumed. So I can't hardly talk about that verse without tacking on great is his faithfulness. Aren't you grateful that you don't get what you deserve? 
See, I would ask someone who doesn't know Jesus, what do they think they deserve out of this life? And we were all there at one time, so we know the answer to that question. Oh, I deserve a better job. I deserve more pay. I deserve a better house. I deserve a new car. I deserve to be happy. I desire, I I deserve to have a long life. But you know, if you don't know Jesus, you can only hope for those things. And even when you know Jesus, in the video that you just saw, we clung to every dynamic word in his book. Oh, I would have loved to t- stand here and tell you today that I walked through that hospital with my chest out to here because, man, was my faith great. No, I was, I was before the Lord. Lord, what can I do? What do I have to do? What do you want me to do? And the Lord spoke. Not to me audibly, but he spoke to the many who were praying. The power of prayer, don't ever underestimate it. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. Because you know, even religious people, even religious people have rituals and routines And I pray that your prayer life never becomes a ritual or routine. I know when when people know that you go to church every Sunday, now they can handle once in a while, but every Sunday... You're religious. No, I'm not religious. See, because religion religion follows its own religious being religious follows its own path. Okay? We follow God's word. We are led by God's spirit. So I jotted down a few you might be religious that I'm going to share with you this morning. If you spend most of your time doing what you want and expect the blessings of God to be upon you, you might be religious. If you seldom pray, read your Bible, go to church, then blame God when something out of, is out of your control happens, you might be religious. If you curse and get angry with God for not answering the only prayer you ever prayed in your life, you might be religious. If you think your opinions in theology, opinions in theology is more prevalent than what God's word says, 
and everything will change to fit them, you might be religious. If you don't truly ask Jesus into your heart, but expect to go to heaven, you might be religious. If you don't believe in hell, you might be religious. If you allow your children to do what they want to do, not nurturing or encouraging them to live a godly lifestyle, then blame God if their life heads in an unpleasant direction. You might be religious. If you don't promote biblical values, glorify, glorify, and if you glorify ungodliness and are surprised that your life seems to be unfruitful or without purpose, you might be religious. Let me ask you again, aren't you grateful that you get better than you deserve? Amen. Amen. If you avoid studying, cheat when you can, and fail to make good use of your time, then blame God because you did not advance to the next level or to that promotion or that raise you were counting on, you might be religious. I hope you're getting, I hope you're getting the pattern here because everything that I share with you goes back to this. It goes back to the word of God. If you find nothing wrong with TV programs, movies, or music that promote sinful behavior, you might be religious. If you are single and live together with someone, then blame God because that relationship is always in turmoil, you might be religious. Some of these, I dare say, may be hitting close to home. That's why I can share them with you because I'm leaving. I don't have to come back. (laughs) Not to chastise anyone. Hear me. Hear me. God's word is dynamic. And when when we align our lives with his word, our lives become dynamic. The examples I'm giving you here don't align with his word, and they aren't dynamic. But if there's one here today that hears something, that points them to this word, then we can all leave here rejoicing because another one came to the Lord. You know, I don't take for granted that when I go to church every Sunday, okay? And I'm going to tell you something. If they ever had an altar call and I felt like the Spirit was on me because my life wasn't lining up with God's word, I'd be up front. When you hear the word of God, don't let your pride keep you from a blessing. Don't. 
Pride is a terrible thing. It has held back many a blessing. If you ask me, I'll tell you, yeah, I'm a great guy. I'm a good guy. I'm the kind of guy you'd want as a friend. But when I compare myself to this, I need this. I need this to be who God wants me to be. If you are married and you occupy your eyes with ungodly sights and your mind with illicit thoughts, then blame God that an in, for an inappropriate relationship, you might be religious. If you fail to adequately take care of your health, then blame God if you get seriously ill, you might be religious. If you succumb to sinful vices, deny addictions, then blame God for the havoc these have reaped on your mind and body, you might be religious. If you cover up what is really going on in your life with lies and deception, then are surprised because people don't trust or understand you, you might be religious. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not, not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You know, and as we always partake in communion, there's a part, there's scripture in First uh, Corinthians chapter 11 that says that before we come to the Lord's table, examine our own heart. And that doesn't just apply at communion time. His compassion fails not. It's new every morning. And every morning, let us examine our own hearts. Let's examine them to make sure that we are where God wants us to be. Now, I don't need to tell you what we deserve. We all sitting here know what we deserve. Judgments, judgment for our sins. None of us deserves anything in the sense of rewards or blessing. But then, this is the rest of the story. This is the part I like. But then, there's God's mercy. There's God's grace. Now, you may be the most foul-mouthed, sailor-talking, scallywag that ever walked the face of the earth. But I'm going to tell you something. When you come face-to-face with Jesus, he says, welcome. Welcome. Now, Mom and Dad, they scold us because we're not doing what we're supposed to do. But Jesus says, welcome. He takes ordinary people like you and me 
and he does extraordinary things. None of us deserve anything, but his tenderness of heart gives all those who are born into his family far more than they deserve. John 1.12 says, But as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And, we, and, and that, you know, the Bible says right there, plain and simple, that if we aren't born again, we cannot see heaven thank God for his compassion thank God for his mercy because of his compassion and mercy he forgives and forgets every single sin when we lay them at the altar repent and ask him into our hearts no matter who you are or what you have done, his mercy allows each of us to be his child. I can't make you a promise like that. I can give you $5 and send you on your way, but I, you know, that $5 will run out. God's word is forever settled in heaven. And it will not fail. He still loves you. He still loves you. Even though you mess up. And we mess up, don't we? I'm going to say that again. We mess up, don't we? Anybody here doesn't mess up? <laughs> well, no hands were raised, so we don't have to go there. He loves us even when we mess up. And even though you can do so little for him, he can do so much for you. So much for you. Often, it's kind of like that two-year-old trying to help the adult. You know, in most situations, the child is probably more in the way than anything else. But because you're the parent, you roll with it. God rolls with you. God rolls with you. Even though you are weak, I am weak, and riddled with faults, he still will use you for his work if you desire to be used. Read the story of Rahab. Rahab is in the lineage of Jesus. Rahab was a harlot. She was a prostitute. But God used her because she recognized that the land that Israel would occupy, God had given it to them. That's all she knew. She didn't know anything about God. But she 
had enough sense of mind to realize that God was with these people. And as a result, you know, God didn't chastise her and say, well, you know, you're so filthy, I can't do anything with you. No, as a result of her faith, she saved herself and her house. So, what's your sin? It's God's bigger. God's bigger than your sin. God's bigger than my sin. We just, we just have to get that in here. We can acknowledge it here, but we must get that here. I'm going to ask that you examine your heart this morning. I've shared with you how good our God is. His compassions don't fail. They are new every morning, and great is his faithfulness. He listens to us any time of day or night. And try that with your parents or your best friends. He helps us when we get into jams. And chances are we're in that jam because we didn't listen to him in the first place. He shows us repeatedly what he wants us to do. Like a parent, how many times does he have to speak to us before we follow his instructions you know the first time I heard about repenting of my sins I didn't jump up it took several times but it only took one time to, for that to begin working on my heart oh I left the place where I heard it the first time but it didn't leave me and that's the way God is he loves you so much He won't leave you alone. He's a gentleman. He won't make you do anything you don't want to do. But if you want to do what he wants to do, he's standing there patiently waiting. He is so good, so good, we deserve nothing but we get so much more than we deserve, don't we? We get all of His love. Not part of it. We get it all. We get all of His grace. And we get all of His mercy and all of His forgiveness. you don't know Jesus this morning, why would you walk out that door and not be introduced to him? After hearing about how good he is? You know, the word says that the devil, he believes and he trembles. I believe and I rejoice 
His compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, you are such a good God. Lord, and while we have every head bowed and every eye closed, if there is one here that does not know you, Father, I pray your word would work in their hearts. Father, that you would reveal yourself in a brand new way. And Father, that you would bring that assurance that your compassions don't fail and they are new every single day. And all you ask us to do is to reach out, take your hand, and confess you as Lord and Savior. Father, I pray for every believer here that knows your goodness, that you would shower them with even greater blessings. Now again, with every head bowed and every eye closed, is there anyone here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? If you raise your hand, the Holy Spirit will see it. And I will see it. And those are the only eyes that need to see it. Great is his faithfulness. We receive all of his love, all of his compassion, all of his mercy, and all of his forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, for the faith in this room. And Lord, I just pray for each member and myself that you would pour out upon us a double portion. Father, that when we leave this place, we are more like Jesus Christ than when we came in. You change us from glory to glory, and we submit to your Lordship. And Father, maybe we have stepped off the path this week, but what a blessing to know that we can come to you and you're there with your arms open saying welcome. Bless your people. Bless this church. Bless this ministry. That many would come to know the saving grace and love of Jesus. I thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.